Hi, this is Ann Cavera with Speeding Past 80. This is episode 16 about a remarkable woman named Sister Jo. One of the women I admired most was Josephine Tarquini, an elderly sister of the Daughters of Charity. By the time I met Sister Jo, she was almost 90 years old and lived in a retirement facility. The thing is, Sister Jo almost didn't exist at all. Her life began in far different circumstances. On Wednesday morning of January 13, 1915, she heard her mother downstairs in the kitchen making breakfast. Josephine and her two younger sisters were busy waking Papa up by jumping on his bed. There came a stillness in the air. The whole house trembled and began to shake. This region of Italy, about 70 miles northeast of Rome, was known for earthquakes, and this was a big one. The 7.0 quake leveled the town of Avizzano. Volunteers converged on the region to search for the living and the dead. One of those volunteers was a young lawyer from Rome named Umberto Oliveri. Tiny five-year-old Josephine, curly hair, large dark eyes, woke, buried beneath the rubble. At first, she said she heard voices of others, among them her papa calling her name. But after a while, those cries faded into silence. Unable to move, her leg had been twisted painfully beneath her, and a fire smoldering close by burned that same leg. Trapped in darkness and pain, hungry, thirsty, and freezing, for a long time, Josephine drifted in and out of consciousness. So, what kind of chance at life would you give an injured child buried like that for days in a quake that killed all of her family, along with 30,000 other people? Oliveri's shovel lifted a patch of rubble, and he caught a glimpse of motion. Scrambling, he removed more rock and earth and uncovered a little girl, injured, covered in dirt, barely alive. He scooped her up, rushed her to a medical tent nearby, and left her there. But he could not get this little survivor out of his mind. Over the next few days, Umberto returned to her bedside many times. Such a sad little thing. No family left, and her twisted, burned leg would probably never be the same. By the time Umberto was ready to return to Rome, he had gotten permission to take Josephine with him. They rode in a cattle car on a train and arrived in Rome in the middle of the night. When Umberto's young wife opened their front door, he smiled and lifted Josephine to her. Here, he said, I've brought home our first child. His wife was a young socialite from the Mellon family in New York, and in Rome, this little family lived a privileged life. That all changed with the arrival of Mussolini in 1922. Life became dangerous for Umberto. He took his little family and fled to the United States. He had connections, and he found a position with the Bank of America in San Francisco. The society circle of the Italian-American community welcomed them. 
Josephine's injured leg did not heal well. She was unable to attend school. Still, she remembers having a happy childhood. There were private tutors, galas, trips to the opera, and a fine house full of dignitaries. She loved to read and wrote letters to famous authors like Rudyard Kipling. The authors wrote back. As a teenager, she regained some mobility in her injured leg, and she went out into the world where she became a social worker. One day, a destitute mother with a baby came to see her. Joe left the room to gather some papers and returned to find the mother had disappeared, leaving the baby on her desk. Joe took the baby to a nearby Daughters of Charity facility. She said they welcomed the child with such love and grace. She decided she, too, had to become one of those daughters. In 1932, she became Sister Josephine and began a life of 70 years of ministry. She wanted to get a nursing degree, but the powers that be thought the demanding work of a nurse would be impossible with her injured leg. She proved them wrong, later serving for many years at St. Vincent's Hospital in Indianapolis. I met Sister Jo when I wrote an article about her. We became friends, and I returned to visit her many times over the years. In fact, if time went by and I did not get out to see her, our phone rang, and a deep voice full of authority and needing no introduction said, You need to come see me. Click. I had been summoned. Truth was, I needed her company more than she needed mine. One day I arrived to find a plate of pizzelles she had baked in the retirement center's kitchen. The thin, crispy Italian waffle cookies were the first I'd ever tasted. Joe took a bite of her cookie and said, You know what we need to go with these? I had no idea. She named a fancy, expensive dessert sherry. I laughed and said, Oh, sister, I don't have anything like that with me. She glanced toward her bureau drawer and got this sly smile full of mischief on her face, and she said, Oh, but I do. Shocked, all I could think of was that I had to drive home in an hour or so. If I got pulled over, what officer of the law would believe I had been drinking with an elderly nun? Jo must have caught the look on my face. She laughed and said, Of course, that would not be proper this early in the afternoon. I was off the hook. She told me stories about her life, of the teen program she started in the 50s to get teens off the streets in Chicago. Those teens were now elderly themselves. They had kept in touch with her, and some of them came to help her celebrate her 70th jubilee. Sister Joe always asked about my husband and children, and she prayed for them too. Later she would ask how things had worked out if I had felt troubled about any of them. With a bag of yarn always by her chair, her knitting needles flew while we talked. Into her nineties, she spent her days making blankets for babies and hats and gloves for the homeless. One day I said, You know, Sister God isn't going to take you as long as you're knitting for the poor. She said, Go look in the bathroom. The bathroom had both a tub and a shower. The tub overflowed with dozens and dozens of skeins of yarn people kept giving her. I said, Joe, you're never going to die. Like all people, her day did come. She passed away at age 100 on July 16, 2010. So, how much chance does an orphan 
badly injured, scathed by fire, and buried for days in an earthquake have? The human spirit is an amazing thing. Though it may be buried and given up for loss, if it's uncovered with love, bathed with light, and nurtured, that human spirit becomes a giver of life and hope for others. The odds are never stacked against one such as this. Today, if you feel buried by life, caught in a place where you can barely move, having no hope for seeing daylight again, hold on. Resurrection may be only one shovel full of earth away. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday with another story of faith, hope, love, and laughter. Our book, Grounded in God, is available from Liguori Press.